Chapters 11 through 30 of An Illustrious Man by St. Jerome. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Philo the Jew, an Alexandrian of the priestly class, is placed by us among the ecclesiastical writers on the ground that, writing a book concerning the first church of Mark the Evangelist Alexandria, he writes to our praise, declaring not only that they were there, but also that they were in many provinces, and calling their habitations monasteries. From this it appears that the church of those that believed in Christ at first was such as now the monks desire to imitate, that is, such that nothing is particular property of any of them, none of them rich, none poor, the patrimonies are divided among the needy, that they have leisure for prayer and psalms, for doctrine also and ascetic practice, that they were in fact, as Luke declares, believers were at first at Jerusalem. They said that under Callus Caligula he ventured to Rome, whither he had been sent as legate of his nation, and that, when a second time he had come to Claudius, he spoke in the same city with the apostle Peter and enjoyed his friendship, and for this reason also adorned the adherents of Mark, Peter's disciple at Alexandria, with his praises. There are distinguished and innumerable works by this man. On the five books of Moses, one book. Concerning the confusion of tongues, one book. On nature and invention, one book. On the things which our senses desire and we detest, one book. On learning, one book. On the air of divine things, one book. On the division of equals and contraries, one book. On the three virtues, one book. On why in scripture the names of many persons are changed, two books. On covenants, one book. On the life of a wise man, one book. Concerning giants, five books. The dreams are sent by God, five books of questions and answers on Exodus, four books on the tabernacle and the decalogue, as well as books on victims and promises or curses, on providence, on the Jews, on the manner of one's life, on Alexander, and that dumb beasts have right reason, and that every fool should be a slave, and on the lives of the Christians, on which we spoke above, that is, lives of apostolic men, which also he entitled on those who practice the divine life, because in truth they contemplate divine things and ever pray to God, also under other categories, two on agriculture, two on drunkenness. There are other monuments of his genius which have not come to our hands. Concerning him there is a proverb among the Greeks, either Plato philonized or Philo platonized, that is, either Plato followed Philo or Philo Plato, so great is the similarity of ideas and language. Chapter 12. Lucius Aeneas Seneca of Cordova, disciple of the Stoic Stoician, and the uncle of Lucian the poet, was a man of most continent life, whom I should not place in the category of the saints, were it not that those epistles of Paul to Seneca and Seneca to Paul, which are read by many, provoke me. And these written when he was tutor of Nero, and the most powerful man of that time. He says that he would like to hold such a place among his countrymen as Paul held among Christians. He was put to death by Nero two years before Peter and Paul were crowned with martyrdom. Chapter 13. Josephus, the son of Matthias, priest of Jerusalem, taken prisoner by Vespasian, and his son Titus, was banished. Coming to Rome, he presented to the emperors father and son, seven books on the captivity of the Jews, which were deposited in the public library, and, on account of his genius, was found worthy of a statue at Rome. 
He wrote also 20 books of antiquities from the beginning of the world until the 14th year of Domitian, Caesar, and two of antiquities against Appion, the grammarian of Alexandria, who, under Caligula, sent as legates on the part of the Gentiles against Philo, wrote also a book containing a vituperation of the Jewish nation, another book of his entitled On Alluring Wisdom, in which the martyr deaths of the Maccabeans are related, is highly esteemed. In the eighth book of his Antiquities, he most openly acknowledges that Christ was slain by the Pharisees on account of the greatness of his miracles, that John the Baptist was truly a prophet, and that Jerusalem was destroyed because of the murder of James the Apostle. He wrote also concerning the Lord after this fashion, In this same time was Jesus, a wise man, if indeed it be lawful to call him man, for he was a worker of wonderful miracles, and a teacher of those who freely received the truth. He had very many adherents, also, both of the Jews and of the Gentiles, and was believed to be Christ. And when, through the envy of our chief men, Pilate had crucified him, nevertheless those who had loved him at first continued to the end, for he appeared to them the third day alive. Many things, both these and other wonderful things, are in the songs of the prophets who prophesied concerning him and the sect of Christians, so named from him exists to this present day. Chapter 14. Justice of Tiberius of the province of Galilee also attempted to write a history of Jewish affairs and certain brief commentaries on the scriptures, but Josephus convicts him of falsehood. It is known that he wrote at the same time as Josephus himself. Chapter 15. Clement, of whom the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians, says, With Clement and others of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the Book of Life. The fourth bishop of Rome after Peter, if indeed the second was Linus, and the third Anticletus, although most of the Latins think that Clement was second after the Apostle. He wrote on the part of the Church of Rome an especially valuable letter to the Church of the Corinthians, which in some places is publicly read, and which seems to me to agree in style with the epistle to the Hebrews, which passes under the name of Paul, but it differs from this same epistle, not only in many of its ideas, but also in respect of the order of words, and its likeness in either respect is not very great. There is also a second epistle under his name, which is rejected by earlier writers, and a disputation between Peter and Appion, written out at length, which Eusebius in the third book of his church history rejects. He died in the third year of Trajan, and a church built at Rome preserves the memory of his name unto this day. Chapter 16. Ignatius, third bishop of the church of Antioch after Peter the Apostle, condemned to the wild beast during the persecution of Trajan, was sent bound to Rome, and when he had come on his voyage as far as Smyrna, where Polycarp, the pupil of John, was bishop, he wrote one epistle to the Ephesians, another to the Magnesians, a third to the Trallians, a fourth to the Romans, and going thence he wrote to the Philadelphians and to the Smyrnans, and especially to Polycarp, commending to him the church at Antioch. In this last he bore witness to the gospel, which I have recently translated, in respect of the person of Christ, saying, I indeed saw him in the flesh after the resurrection, and I believe that he is. And when he came to Peter and those who were with Peter, he said to them, Behold, touch me, and see how I am not an incorporeal spirit. And straightway they touched him and believed. Moreover, it seems worthwhile, inasmuch as we have made mention of such a man, and of the epistle which he wrote to the Romans, 
and to give a few quotations, from Syria even unto Rome, I fight with wild beasts, by land and by sea, by night and by day, being bound amidst ten leopards, that is to say, soldiers who guard me, and who only become worse when they are well treated. The wrongdoing, however, is my schoolmaster, but I am not thereby justified. May I have joy of the beasts that are prepared for me, and I pray that I may find them ready. I will even coax them to devour me quickly, that they may not treat me as they have some who they have received to touch through fear, and if they are unwilling, I will compel them to devour me. Forgive me, my children, I know what is expedient for me, for I do begin to be a disciple, and desire none of the things visible that I may attain unto Jesus Christ. Let fire and cross and attacks of wild beasts, let wrenching of bones, cutting apart of limbs, crushing of the whole body, tortures of the devil, let all these come upon me, if only I may attain unto the joy which is in Christ. When he had been condemned to the wild beasts and with zeal for martyrdom, heard the lions roaring, he said, I am the grain of Christ, I am ground by the teeth of the wild beasts, that I may be found the bread of the world. He was put to death the eleventh year of Trajan, and the remains of his body lie in Antioch, outside the Daphonic gate in the cemetery. Chapter 17 Polycarp, disciple of the Apostle John, and by him ordained bishop of Smyrna, was chief of all Asia, where he saw and had as teachers some of the apostles of those who had seen the Lord. He, on account of certain questions concerning the day of the Passover, went to Rome in the time of Emperor Antonius Pius, while Anticletus ruled the church in that city. There he led back to the faith many of the believers who had been deceived through the persuasion of Marcion and Valentinus. And when Marcion met with him by chance and said, Do you know us? He replied, I know the firstborn of the devil. Afterwards, during the reign of Marcus Antonius and Lucius Aurelius Commodius, in the fourth persecution after Nero, in the presence of the proconsul holding court at Smyrna, and all the people crying out against him in the amphitheater, he was burned. He wrote a very valuable epistle to the Philippians, which is read to the present day in the meetings in Asia. Chapter 18 Papias, the pupil of John, bishop of Hierapolis, in Asia, wrote only five volumes, which he entitled Exposition of the Words of Our Lord, in which, when he had asserted in his preface that he did not follow various opinions, but had the apostles for authority, he said, I consider it what Andrew and Peter said, what Philip, what Thomas, what James, what John, what Matthew or anyone else said among the disciples of our Lord, what also Ariston and the elder John, disciples of the Lord, had said, not so much that I have their books to read as that their living voice is heard until the present day in the authors themselves. It appears through this catalogue of names that the John who is placed among the disciples is not the same as the elder John, whom he places after Ariston in his enumeration. This we say, moreover, because of the opinion mentioned above, where we record it is declared by many that the last two epistles of John are the work not of the apostle but of the presbyter. He is said to have published a second coming of our Lord or Millennium. Irenaeus and Apollinarius and others who say that after the resurrection the Lord will reign in the flesh with the saints follow him. Tertullian also in this work, On the Hope of the Faithful, Victorinius of Petau and Lactantius follow this view. 
Chapter 29. Quadratus, disciple of the apostles, after Publius, bishop of Athens, had been crowned with martyrdom on account of his faith in Christ, was substituted in his place, and by his faith and industry, gathered the church scattered by reason of its great fear. And when Hadrian passed the winter at Athens to witness the Eleusian mysteries, and was initiated into almost all the sacred mysteries of Greece, those who hated the Christians took opportunity, without instructions from the emperor, to harass the believers. At this time he presented to Hadrian a work composed in behalf of our religion, indispensable, full of sound argument and faith and worthy of apostolic teaching, in which, illustrating the antiquity of his period, he says that he has seen many who, oppressed by various ills, were healed by the Lord in Judea, as well as some who had been raised from the dead. Chapter 20 Aristides, a most eloquent Athenian philosopher and a disciple of Christ, while yet retaining his philosopher's garb, presented a work to Hadrian at the same time that Quadratus presented his. The work contained a systematic account of our doctrine, that is, an apology for the Christians, which is still extant and is regarded by theologians as a monument to his genius. Chapter 21 Agrippa, surnamed Castor, a man of great learning, wrote a strong refutation of the twenty-four volumes which Basiliades, a heretic, had written against the gospel, disclosing all his mysteries and enumerating the prophets Barcabas and Barchob, and all the other barbarous names which terrify the hearers. And his most high god, Abraxas, whose name was supposed to contain the year according to the reckoning of the Greeks. Basilids died at Alexandria in the reign of Hadrian, and from him the Gnostic sects arose. In this tempestuous time also, Kokibas, leader of the Jewish faction, put Christians to death with various tortures. Chapter 22 Hegesippus, who lived at a period not far from the apostolic age, writing a history of all ecclesiastical events from the Passion of Our Lord down to his own period, and gathering many things useful to the reader, composed five volumes in simple style, trying to represent the style of speaking of those whose lives he treated. He says that he went to Rome in the time of Anticletus, the tenth bishop after Peter, and continued there till the time of Eleutherius, bishop of the same city, who had been formerly a deacon under Anticletus. Moreover, arguing against idols, he wrote a history showing from what error they had first arisen, and this work indicates in what age he flourished. He says, They built monuments and temples to the dead, as we see up to the present day, such as one to Antinous, servant of the emperor Hadrian, in whose honor also games were celebrated, and a city founded bearing his name, and a temple with priests established. The emperor Hadrian is said to have been enamored with Antinous. Chapter 32. Justin, a philosopher, and, wearing the garb of philosopher, a citizen of Neapolis, a city of Palestine, and the son of Priscus Bacchius, labored strenuously in behalf of the religion of Christ, insomuch that he delivered to Antonius Pius and his sons and the Senate a work written against the nations, and did not shun the ignominy of the cross. He delivered another book also to the successors of this Antonius, Marcus Antonius Verus and Lucius Aurelius Commodus, 
another volume of his Against the Nations is also extant, where he discusses the nature of demons, and a fourth Against the Nations, which is entitled Refutation, and yet another on the sovereignty of God, and another book which he entitled Saltis, and another on the soul, the dialogue against the Jews, which he held against Trypho, the leader of the Jews, and also notable volumes against Marcion, which Irenaeus also mentions in the fourth book against heresies, also another book against all heresies, which he mentions in the Apology, which is addressed to Antonius Pius. He, when he had held Theotravas in the city of Rome and had convinced Crescens the Cynic, who said many blasphemous things against the Christians, of gluttony and fear of death, and had proved him devoted to luxury and lusts, at last accused of being a Christian through the efforts and wiles of Cretans, he shed his blood for Christ. Chapter 24 Melito of Asia, Bishop of Sardis, addressed a book to the Emperor Marcus Antonius Verus, a disciple of Fronto, the orator, in behalf of the Christian doctrine. He wrote other things also, among which are the following. On the Passover, two books. One book on the lives of the prophets. One book on the church. One book on the Lord's Day. One book on faith. One book on the Psalms. One on the senses. One on the soul and body. One on baptism. One on truth one on the generation of Christ, on his prophecy, one on hospitality, and another which is called the key, one on the devil, one on the apocalypse of John, one on the corporality of God, and six books of Ecludes. Of his fine oratorical genius, Tertullian, in the seven books which he wrote against the church on behalf of Montanus, satirically says that he was considered a prophet by many of us. Chapter 25. Theophilus, sixth bishop of the Church of Antioch, in the reign of Emperor Marcus Antonius Verus, composed a book against Marcion, which is still extant. Also three volumes to Autolycus, and one against the heresy of Hermogenes, and other short and elegant treaties well fitted for the edification of the Church. I have read under his name commentaries on the gospel and on the proverbs of solomon which do not appear to me to correspond in style and language with the eloquence and expressiveness of the above works chapter twenty six apollinarius a bishop of heropolis in asia flourished in the reign of marcus antonius verus to whom he addressed a notable volume in behalf of the faith of the christians there are extant also five other books of his against the nations, two on truth and against the Cataphrigans, written at the time when Montanus was making a beginning with Priscilla and Maximilla. Chapter 27. Dionysus, bishop of the church of Corinth, was of so great eloquence and industry that he taught not only the people of his own city and province, but also those of other provinces and cities by his letters. Of these, one is to the Laodemonians, another to the Athenians, a third to the Nicomedians, a fourth to the Cretans, a fifth to the church at Amastrina, and to the other churches of Pontus, a sixth to the Gnostians, and to Pintus, bishop of the same city, a seventh to the Romans, addressed to Soter, 
their bishop, an eighth to Christfora, a holy woman. He flourished in the reign of Marcus Antonius Verus and Lucius Aurelius Commodus. Chapter 28. Pinitas of Crete, bishop of the city of Gnosis, wrote to Dionysus, bishop of the Corinthians, an exceedingly elegant letter in which he teaches that the people are not to be forever fed on milk, lest by chance they be overtaken by the last day, while yet infants, but that they ought to be fed also on solid food, that they may go on to a spiritual old age. He flourished under Marcus Antonius Verus and Lucius Aurelius Commodus. Chapter 29 Tatian, who, while teaching oratory, won not a little glory in the rhetorical art, was a follower of Justin Martyr, and was distinguished so long as he did not leave his master's side. But afterwards, inflated by a swelling of eloquence, he founded a new heresy, which is called that of the Encratites, the heresy which Severus afterwards augmented in such wise that heretics of this party are called Severians to the present day. Tatian wrote besides innumerable volumes, one of which, a most successful book against the nations, is extant, and this is considered the most significant of all his works. He flourished in the reign of Marcus Antonius Verus and Lucius Aurelius Commodus. Chapter 30. Philip, Bishop of Crete, that is, of the city of Cortina, whom Dionysus mentions in the epistle which he wrote to the church of the same city, published a remarkable book against Marcion, and flourished in the time of Marcus Antonius Verus and Lucius Aurelius Commodus. End of chapters 11 through 30